Do you have some great people that work on your team? Well, if so, now's the time to figure out how to lead them more effectively. And we have a free resource out there to help you understand just that. It's the four principles that great leaders use to build more loyalty on their team. You can get this resource at theemployerblueprint.com forward slash great leaders. And it's absolutely free. And it's just a great, great way to help you understand the principles that are used Four simple principles to help you become a more effective leader and leading these amazing people around you. Again, you can check this out at theemployerblueprint.com forward slash great leaders. Welcome to the Employer Blueprint Podcast where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. We don't always think about building relationships as a core function of our business. Generally, you're going to think about your industry and uh, you're going to think about the, the things that you produce or the service that you provide. But if you really get down to the foundation of who you are and are being honest about it, I would say most of us are going to realize that we are, in fact, focused on building relationships or should be focused on building relationships uh, because it's the relationships we have with our employees, it's relationships we have with our clients, it's the relationships that we have with our vendors. Those oftentimes are the things that can make or break us in a business. And we have to be thinking about how we are intentionally going about building these relationships. And, And especially, I believe wholeheartedly, it starts with the relationships that we are building in our business with our employees. Those are the first relationships that we have to focus on. Um, Today's guest uh, talks through this and today's guest has has spent time helping other businesses understand how to become more people-centered, how to become more relationship-oriented in their business and has some great information of things to watch out for and, and what to do. And especially if you have any kind of remote workforce, a remote team, how can you still be people centered? How can you still build solid uh, foundational relationships? Uh, be sure that you hit that subscribe button. And uh, also, if there are uh, any questions or any topics that you'd like to hear from us, please don't hesitate to let us know. You can reach out to us with any feedback at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. And I am, uh, I'm personally really excited about bringing you all some of the information that we have this week uh, from our guest, Ryan Rogar. And, um, you know, so often uh, through the course of business and doing what we do, uh, we fail to remember there's there's lives around us and, and we've got to build relationships in our business and in our life and, and they have such an amazing impact on us. And so uh, looking forward to diving into some of that with Ryan, who uh, has um, really kind of uh, built a great mindset around how important those relationships are and how we do that no matter when or how we are working. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining us this week. And um, as, we, as we jump in here, here. Why don't you talk us through your history and experience? Just kind of catch us up to where you are now and, and what's led through sure. your journey. Well, and you know, and I think it's great the way you led in. Um, you know, one of the big things, you know, this idea of not forgetting how important relationships are people. Um, you know, basically, this is my backstory is that so for the last 15, 17-ish years, 
we've been running a, a remote, what we call a virtual agency. It's a online marketing and you know graphic design agency kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But we're a fully distributed team, meaning we use uh, resources from all over the planet to do our work. We have a very yeah. small in-house team, and then we just bring on other people. We have a small remote team in Spain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're sort of, you know, all over the planet at all times and always in flux, ebbing, ebbing and flowing. Yeah. Um, so, but what's interesting is that for my entire twenties, so basically the first decade of my business, mm-hmm. I was doing what I thought was sort of the American dream, right? I was working for myself. I was sitting in an office by myself, working 14 to 16 hours by myself. Yeah. And in that time, while all my friends were going to college, getting married, starting relationships and moving on. I was sitting in my office, nose down by myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a small family at the time. It was just my wife and, and we had our first child at 24. And so, it, you know, I, I had a family to provide for. So I felt like I was doing the right thing by just being nose down, kicking butt, getting as much work done as I could get done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and it worked. It kept our family afloat. But what I totally lost sight of is what, what you've alluded to, which is people. You know, basically, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been a pretty jovial guy. I've had lots of friends. I have friends from kindergarten still, <laughs> but there were all these years uh, that I, I didn't do those relationship service. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until a few years ago, actually, I guess now it's been about seven years ago, we moved down to Salt Lake City, Utah. I took a job with an ad agency down here mm-hmm. um, and I kept my company running in the evenings and then I, I worked for these guys during the day. And in the, uh, when we moved here, we were had the opportunity to put our young, our oldest son in a Spanish immersion elementary school. Mm. Um, when we did that, we also had the opportunity to host a teacher from Spain who came over uh, to teach in his class, but she lived with us for the year. Um, Her name's Anna. And Anna lived with us for this first school year, this kindergarten year that our our son was in school learning, you know, starting to learn Spanish. And the whole time she was with us, you know, it it was steady daydreaming about, you know, uh, she missed Spain. She missed her her friends, missed her family, missed everybody, you know, all this stuff. And for me, a lot of those feelings or those emotions, like, it's for me, I was kind of like, well, what's the big deal? You know what I mean? Like, why are you so yeah. stressed out about all this? Like, right. you know, it's great. But how great is America? Look how awesome this country is and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? And so it was like, what are you, what are you doing? And, you know, I, did, I didn't really put it together. Well, so how it evolved is Anna had, it turned out, began life as a graphic designer, huh. but she moved into education because it was a safer career in yeah. Spain. It's a government position. You get a pension, all this stuff. So it's a better, better life or a more secure life anyway. And, um, but while she was living with us, I was working for the agency during the day and working for myself in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of rekindled this interest in her to do design. Hmm. So I uh, brought her on board and she and I worked together every night for about six months from seven at night to two in the morning on freelance hmm. projects as they would come in. Yeah, And, uh, you know, so that went awesome. And then when she went back to Spain, we decided to offer her a full-time gig. So she mm-hmm. went home as my partner, basically, and yeah. uh, expanded our operations into Barcelona, where she's from. Yeah. So the following year, she went home in June and around February or March the following year, I went over to Spain for my first time to go over and meet these people and, you know, put faces to names and all this stuff. And, right. uh, and I had the opportunity to, I guess, sort of firsthand see the things that it was she had been talking about this prior year, how important her friends were, how important her family was, mm. all those things. And what was really impactful for me, and it's funny because so many people go to Spain and they're blown away by the food or the party scene or whatever. But, <laughs> right. but for me, what was really impactful was how rapidly like 
And as friend, friend groups, like social groups, family groups, everybody sort of just wholly embraced me. Mm-hmm. And I spoke no Spanish at the time and they speak very little English. And so it was like, you know, for me, it was really impactful. It's like, here's this random guy who doesn't speak, or, you know, doesn't even speak the language. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it was as if we were old buddies, like we've been hanging out all these years. And, uh, and for me, that was wildly impactful coming off a decade of being sort of siloed in my own office. So afterwards, we came home and I, I spent the next few years really trying to figure out how to take this, you know, newfound idea, this uh, importance of human relationships and, and really turn our business into something that would support that sort of ethos. Hmm. And what we ended up doing is, you know, a little things, you know, first we, we switched the tagline on our website to we're in the relationship business instead of the marketing business or whatever right. it was you know, we started trying, trying to work it in, but it took us a few years to really figure out how to, how to implement this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but nonetheless, it it became a a real focus for me and it became something that, um, you know, now is at the core of our business and and the core of all the work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, where we are now. We still run the marketing business. We're definitely in the relationship business. We're a totally people first operation. Uh, you know, we work really hard to make sure that everybody, regardless of their geographic location, are, are included in our team activities and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've since become a real advocate for remote work and how uh, people in disadvantaged areas in the planet can leverage remote work as a way to improve their situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's turned into this uh, really beautiful people first kind of lifestyle and uh, I'm having a blast. Well, that's really great. And I love, uh, I love that transition into that people first culture. Um, You know, I would argue that really most businesses, uh, if they are doing it right, are doing so from a people first perspective. Um, You know, first looking at our employees as as those that would lead a company, making sure that our employees come first and that we're focusing on them. Uh, And and then obviously our clients, vendors and and business partners. But... um, you know, we've I've, we've had this conversation just recently in the office here about uh, the, the need, even in a sales role, to recognize um, we don't necessarily need salespeople all the time. We need great customer people. We need great customer service skills that you can teach certain sales components to. Uh, because if you know how to just simply close a deal but you don't understand how to build a relationship. You don't understand how to make someone feel welcome and feel comfortable with you. You may get that deal, but long-term that that's not going to be, you're not going to be a great salesperson, especially in the environment that we're in today. I think we've seen a bigger shift in that over the last several years where the focus has become more from a customer perspective, uh, especially B2B that they want that relationship. They want someone that they know and trust um, and so, you know, again, it starts in our business with our employees and our team, and then that has to radiate out to our clients. Um, well, and it's true, you know, it's, it's got to be cultural change from the top. And it's really interesting. Yeah. I, I've, I've borne witness to a number of different companies mm-hmm. who have, you know, gone the route of, well, everybody has a ping pong table, so therefore we'll get a ping pong table. <laughs> and, you know, somehow that's going to work. You know, like yeah, this is yeah, going yeah. to be thing that leads to customer or uh, employee retention or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's so interesting because really it is, even at its, you know, whether it's internal, external, whatever, I mean, relationships are the whole thing. Like there, right. there's nothing else, you know, I mean, nobody needs this ping pong table if they have a great relationship with the company. Like the ping right. pong table is pretty low on the list. 
Yeah. But, uh, but there's a lot of people who fall into this trap, I think, especially, you know, in my industry, in the marketing advertising industry, where everybody is trying to outcool one another with their offices. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're acting as if they're putting the focus into people and maybe many of them are, uh, but it comes off as a little bit inauthentic when you just run out and you buy all this equipment to try and right. make yourself look the part, even right. if your intentions are solid, you know, it still feels yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and so uh, so I think it is really important that we we stop and we sort of reassess. And actually, that's some of the work we do at R two at our marketing agency now, mm-hmm. is we really analyze the relationship, sort of from top consumer all the way to top management. You know, mm-hmm. and we sort of look at every step in between, and try and have an understanding for what the marketing choices we you know make or the design decisions we make or whatever it is. We try and think about it through the lens of how is this going to affect a relationship positively or negatively. Right. And at all these different stages, you know, mm-hmm. because there's just, and, and it's a lot, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot to get in there, you know, but I mean, I think for most of the, most of the time, and it's funny because it sounds funny to say it, but I think most of the time, if you're sort of pure of heart and you really actually do put people first, it'll kind of work itself out. Yes. Well, and that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, you make a great point there about, um, you know, it's easy to sit in a, in a meeting and make a decision that, well, in order to be more um, employee centric, we're going to bring in ping pong tables, pool tables, we're going to paint different colors, we're going to have a, an open workspace, you know, all of these sort of tangible things. But really, it's the intangibility of relationships that builds the relationship. It's, it's authentically asking someone like, so how was your weekend? You know, how was your night? How was your kid's ball game? How was the dance recital? Um, you know, how, how are your kids doing? How's your, how are your parents doing? It's, it's that authentic connection uh, that you can be in the stuffiest of um, uh, spatial environment in the office, but still have a very employee-centric and client-centric feel to the company because it is that, it's that authentic relationship. It's that pure heart and coming into yeah. it from, from a selfless perspective. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. It's jumping into stuff without, you know, prior pretense or intention. I mean, you know, it's setting your intention positively and understanding that you're trying to come into this and we'll just see where it goes. You know, it's funny right. as I've been doing work recently in the uh, remote work advocacy space, mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I've had the great pleasure of meeting a lot of really, you know, high, high level or big name folks in that space who've spent a lot of time and a lot of years really advocating on behalf of people in the remote workspace. And uh, this is, you know, one of the things that keep catching them off guard. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm using LinkedIn to make connections or what, but, you know, I, I, before I meet them and do like interviews or something with them, I will typically just have a phone call, like a get to know you call. Right. And so, but I think everybody is sort of expecting a pitch, like when's the other shoe going to drop, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I had to explain yeah. to this woman yesterday, I had an interview with a woman in Berlin and I was talking to her and I was like, oh yeah, no, no, no pretense. I just, I just wanted to get to know you. That's it. Like, yeah. you know, now when I call on you in six months to do an interview with you, you know me, we're already friendly, right. you know, that right. kind of thing. And yeah. so I think a lot of it has to do with that. And I think, you know, we get in trouble sometimes or we're sort of victim to the LinkedIn mentality or the, you know, highly motivated salesperson mentality where right. everybody sort of expects a pitch at any given moment. And so mm-hmm. this idea that you actually just want to formulate or, or create a new relationship with somebody mm-hmm. is a little bit foreign, even right. though it's also the most base thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It, it can feel very foreign because we've, we've kind of conditioned ourselves and the market to know the Somebody wants something out of us. That's why they're that's why they're getting in touch with us. They want something out of us. One of the things that you mentioned is that when you uh, kind of came back and you started this kind of revolution within the company, that it took a little while. 
Um, and that's something that I, I want to dive into just for a minute because I think that some people could be listening to this and thinking, you know what, they're probably right. We, we aren't as people-centric, as relationship-oriented as we need to be. And so I'm going to go into work tomorrow and I'm going to ask people you know, what's going on in their lives and I'm going to have lunch with the team and I'm going to do things. And they'll do that for a week or two and think, well, this didn't get any, nobody's being more productive. This isn't effective. I'm just wasting my time. Um, so I think it's really interesting that you mentioned this, you know, there was, that it's had to evolve. This took some time, even with you saying, this is who we're going to be. This is what we're going to do. So what were some of the early steps you took to start that process? And what did that journey look like over the next year or two um, to, to finally start to see that all come into place? Sure. You know, and actually, I mean, I would say that it's still ongoing, you know, honestly, you have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, so when I came back from Spain, the first thing I did was jump online, change my website, you know, you know, update it to, to say this new, you know, new keyword, our new keyword relationship. Right. Yeah. And so, but honestly, I mean, like I had no idea what that meant, right? What does it mean to be a relationship agency or what does it mean to be a relationship? I mean, it's a word and it sounds cool. And, you know, and honestly, we run into this even still where people sort of are a little bit suspect. They're like, what, what does that mean? Are you just trying to use vernacular that you think will kind of woo us in and, right, and things exactly. like that, you know? Yeah. But it goes back to this question of authenticity, which is why I do things like these podcasts and why I write about uh, relationships and the importance of relationships and business and life. And, you know, all this stuff is be- because I'm trying to tell you, no, 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 we're, we're legit. Like, right. you know, and, right. uh, you know, but it is, it is a hard sell. And, and I will admit that, you know, easily for the first couple of years, you know, just, I mean, we we're still in business development. We're still trying to grow our company. We're still trying to do all these different things. And so, you know, yeah, we called ourselves a relationship agency, but who knows what that really meant, at least mm-hmm. for those first couple of years, you know, we were starting to get our head around it and we were starting to go, okay, relationships are important, but what does that really mean? But golly, it was only last year or maybe maybe 18 months ago that we sort of hit on this product or this offering that um, allowed us to sort of look at businesses through the frame of a relationship. Right. You know, we started to build some processes and things around this idea, some different metrics that we could use to look at a business and say, you're performing against X or Y because of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to affect a relationship positively or negatively in this aspect and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's still ongoing and every situation is different. And, you know, it's it's been difficult even in trying to sell this as a product, you know, as a service for, for people. Right. Uh, this idea of sort of consulting on a company and trying to help them understand how they're you know, what the business relationships look like throughout their company. You know, I mean, I think most people, like you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a a CEO or a business owner or something that would go, nah, relationships are stupid. We don't need that. (laughs) Like, I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find that guy. Yeah. But, um, but I think it's also difficult because of the, the sort of intangibility and, you know, the the warm fuzziness or whatever, It, it is also difficult to get people to throw money at it. Right. And, uh, you know, they do the things that are sort of superficial, you know, it's a fixed cost to buy a, you know, a coffee maker or a mini fridge or, you know, whatever. I mean, but this ongoing development or, you know, this trying to make this sort of impactful, you know, company wide change, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows how long it'll take. I mean, it takes total buy-in from everybody, you know? And so, and because of all the sort of the ifs and the what's and the who knows, um, you know, it's still a hard sell, you know? And so most of our clients, it's kind of a baby step. 
we'll do some sort of marketing project or something, and then we'll introduce them to this idea of, you know, Mm -hmm. well, you know, what do you think your end consumer is feeling about this right now? You know, our social listening, or if we're we're listening and checking that people out on Facebook and Twitter and places like this and Mm -hmm. trying to get an understanding for what people are saying behind your back, you know, they feel this about you. You think this about them, you know, how does this marketing decision or how does this, you know, design option or this new package layout or whatever it is, how does any of that stuff affect what people think of you already? Mm -hmm. And we, you know, and we sort of work at it from that angle. So we've had to sort of tiptoe many of our clients into this idea. And, you know, of course, then they start seeing the value. And honestly, it just, it ends up making great marketing decisions and great design decisions and great, you know, choices in your organization when you're doing it from this perspective or when you're being conscious and looking at the people you're actually going to affect downstream. Right. So, right. Uh, so most people get it a little, you know, after we've started to, to develop a relationship with our client and, you know, some of that comes with trust and time and, and things like that too. You know sure. I mean? They, they need to see a bottom line. They need to understand an ROI. They need to see some metric move. Yeah. And so, uh, so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to sort of, um, you know, uh, I guess justify or, or, or pit against some kind of business metric, mm-hmm. uh, these intangible items, you know, yeah. so it, it is a challenge, but, you know, usually through some form of framing a conversation or something, we can look at something and, and have a better understanding of how they're performing as right. it pertains. How you quantify that, yeah. th- this type of, uh, this type of service. Yeah. One of the things also that I find interesting um, about what you've done is, uh, again, thinking about, a you know, someone that's out there right now and listening to this and they're thinking through, well, you know, in my business, this is what we could do, but we can't do this um, because of how our structure is set up. And one of the initial roadblocks that happens for a lot of companies today is uh, as technology has come into place and we're able to um, work remotely or have people on our team that aren't in the office every day or aren't ever in the office, you know, that work across the country or around the world. Um, that it, it's easy to use that as an excuse to say, well, we can't have these kinds of relationships that they're talking about because of where we are geographically. But you've been able to prove that wrong very easily because that is absolutely how your business is based. So what are some things that you do uh, to be very intentional about this relationship formation even having remote workforces and teams around mm-hmm. the world? Yeah, I think one of the biggest factors, and like if I was going to narrow it down to maybe one thing that's easy to, to digest, it would be empathy. You know, the same empathy that you would employ with people in-house is the same same thing that allows you to be a great, you know, manager for a remote workforce. Right. You, you have to be authentic and you have to actually care about them. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of problems that remote workers face that aren't common or aren't you know, sort of seen in an in-house employee, you know, for example, isolation is a real big problem. And most people don't think about that when they go, Ooh, you know, how exciting I get to work from a beach or I get to work from, you know, wherever I am. Yeah. But, you know, working alone all the time is, is kind of a thing, you know, and uh, not every personality can deal with it and it can be a real challenge for people. And so, you know, having kind of, I guess in the back of your head an understanding of some of the challenges your remote workers will be going through Mm -hmm. that are different, you know, is a, is a valuable thing. And, and again, that just goes back to this empathy. Right. Um, inside your company, you know, I mean, you, you want to avoid things like there's sort of some red flags, right? I mean, one of them is, of course, this 
isolationism. You know, you need to work as hard as you can to keep people from feeling isolated. There's a number of ways you can do it, technologically speaking, using, you know, t- you know Slack and instant messenger programs and things like that so that everybody's sort of having a real-time conversation, uh, even if it is asynchronous over, t- over many time zones or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, there are tools in place to do that stuff. You can also video conference. You can also do occasional get-togethers. Um, most remote companies or, or, you know, sort of fully detached companies um, will still do, you know, quarterly meetups or, you, you know, meetups right. as often as necessary, you know, and a big part of that is mighty hard to feel like you're part of a team if you've never met your team. You're not with the team. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, even though remote is the thing, like, I mean, you are a remote worker, whether you're working from home or you're working from another destination or a remote office or wherever you mm-hmm. might be, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's still like, I always sort of equated to this, like they, there's no replacing sort of this, the, the sort of eye contact that you right. make sitting down with somebody over a cup of coffee is going to go infinitely further than, you know, having a talk over zoom or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yes. so it's still important to have that human component Right. for a lot of remote workers. I recommend sort of, you know, your social interaction may not even be with the people that you work with. Maybe it's just that you need to make sure you have a standing coffee date with one of your good friends. Right. And you just go get your social time with them. So you're still feeling sort of satisfied as human. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've written uh, to some extent on this idea of technological saturation and that we've hit this saturation point where iPhones and things aren't that novel anymore. And now, you know, speaking of great beards, now we're looking at beard oils and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, craft, craft food and all these different things, you know, now we're looking for experiential things, but I think it's a direct relate, you know, directly in relation to a pushback against technology that we actually have to go out and feel things and have some tangible life experiences in order to sort of be satiated as a human. Right. So, uh, so I think that as a remote worker, somebody who spends all day in technology, it's really important to get those social itches scratched as often as you can. Yeah. Um, One of the other, Yeah. One of the other uh, red flags that we talk about a lot is sort of inconsistency. And it's this idea of treating your remote worker different than you treat your in-house worker. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, there is some reality, right? I mean, like you're going to bump into Joe in the hallway and you're not going to see Sarah who's working remote. Like, I mean, there are some realities at play, Mm -hmm. but I think being conscious of those things and, you know, even if it is a little water cooler chat, but you say, Hey, you know, let's uh, video chat in so-and-so or let's, you know, whatever, or, Hey, we're having a cool conversation. Do you have a a second to take just like an impromptu meeting or, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it goes back, you know, all the way back to what we were saying earlier, relationships being intentional, you know, and being empathetic to the fact that, you know, so-and-so is sitting at their house working out of their home office and they're not going to be a part of this, you know, fun conversation. Right. Um, You know, we also try and talk a little bit about avoiding things like secrecy, trying to, you know, be as wholly transparent as you can be in terms of, you know, as a company. And again, this goes back to communication and empathy and all those things. I mean, all of these are sort of, I guess, fruit of the same tree, right? Mm -hmm. In that, uh, you know, you need to make sure that you're not, telling the internal audience or your co-located staff one thing and then the outside people are kind of getting a different story or a different take. And, right. You know, right. I mean, so being, being consistent across the board is key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another big thing is micromanagement. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is a real problem for remote workers. There's still this, um, I guess, like a, a stigma or something around this idea of remote work. I, you know, and I, I sort of blame the digital nomads because they spend all this time on Instagram you know, posting them on their laptop in Aruba and, right. you know, the, the co-located people or the guy running the company, you know, is going, God, you know, we're here to work and you're off on the beach doing blah, blah, right. blah. 
you know, right. but a big part of remote work is shifting expectations, right? You go to more of a model where it's not hourly based necessarily. Right. It's more about output. It's what yeah. you're actually producing. Yeah. And so, and, you know, by being less of a micromanager, I mean, it'd be really easy if I'm sitting in my office in my stuffy suit and my necktie and, you know, and then I happen to be cruising Instagram and I see, you know, Sally, our remote worker from, you know, the shores of Bermuda. <laughs> um, pretty easy to develop some jealousy and pretty easy to start going, oh God, well, is she getting anything done and blah, 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 mm-hmm. what's going on? And then you start nitpicking and, you know, that sort of makes for a, a toxic relationship. And so right. it is important right. to have a clear understanding of what the expectations are. You know, first of all, if you're going to work from a beach, your work needs to be done or you need to be available for calls between these hours or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. But, um, but I think it's, it all boils down to more communication, right? It's, it's having yeah. clear expectations being set. Open. It's having clear policies. Mm-hmm. It's being open and transparent. It's, you know, being empathetic. It's all these things. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's all about that relationship. You know, right. even if it is remote, it's still a relationship. You know, I mean, uh, I think of like the old school pen pals, right? When people would just write letters to each other, you know, across the world or across the country. And, you know, I mean, you had to develop that relationship. You never got to see each other, but you still right. had this relationship. You know, and yeah. and it's this idea that I was still empathetic to that person I'm sending a letter to. I care about them, and I have I'm invested in their life, and I want to know yeah. how they're doing. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of that too. Just now we have cool, shiny, you know, instant messages and cell phones <laughs> right. and stuff like that. Everything so. else that we can add it to. Yeah. You know, one of the things too, you talk about the, uh, you know, trying to find a way to bridge that gap or um, treat people the same, whether in office or or remote. Um, something that I'd heard a while back that I really liked was, you know, we tend to think of this format, you and I sitting here on a video conference and talking, we tend to think of this format as... Um, this is only for us to have a professional business meeting, a professional conversation, and then we're done. And, you know, just as you mentioned, you know, maybe you've got a a standing coffee meeting with just a good friend just to get that social interaction. I think there's also some value and benefit in doing the same thing, even over, even if it is via Zoom, but it's not just simply, hey, we're going to have a Zoom call. We're going to have a a video conference for 10 minutes to discuss this issue, discuss this project and get an update and figure out where we are. Thanks. Thanks. Great to talk to you and I'm done. But just as we would in the office, where we might stop into somebody's office or or swing by their cubicle and say, hey, just want to find out what's going on with this. And then we stay there for 15 minutes and talk about other things that are going on. Mm -hmm. We can do the same. It's like for some reason that feels okay and natural, but doing that over video is not. And um, that's something else that I think people can understand is if you have a remote workforce, it's not a bad thing to... Uh, have a scheduled call, you know, maybe, maybe Mondays at nine o'clock, you just jump in and and you sit and it's just to have a conversation. It is just to have a cup of coffee and talk about what's going on and catch up. So we can use the technology to our benefit. The technology does not have to be, um, there's no law that says technology is professional use only. So we can use that to help build these relationships. Uh, whereas it, it, it's like I say, it's sort of natural to do that with somebody in the office, but unnatural to do it on a, um, yeah. on a call. But if we're using that as part of our normal communication routine in the business, then it should be part of our normal communication tool. You know, I'm sitting at my desk, and we're having a conversation with somebody about whatever's going on in their life. And again, it just kind of helps bridge that gap of getting to know someone, opening your heart, being intentional about it, as opposed to just, we're here for business, this is it, and we move on. And then yeah. the only other time you hear me is through an email. 
Yeah, and there are definitely tools that try and help facilitate this, sort of like group instant video chat kind of tools. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I've also heard of, you know, and it's funny that you bring it up because it's, it's really astute. I mean, I've heard a number of companies that like, they'll have a nine o'clock meeting, but they'll open the Zoom room a quarter to. Right. So that everybody can just kind of get in there as they get there and, oh, hey, right. how's the how's the kids? How's the dog? You know, whatever. And have a little bit of that time. And uh, and you're right. And it's interesting just because in my own business, but also as I've consulted in different ad agencies that have offices in different cities, yeah. you know, that does become kind of the way you get to talk to people is you get a little, you know, you got 15 minutes before you start the meeting and then it's like, oh, crap. Okay, now we got to do the meeting. Yeah. But, you know, but at least you get a few minutes with each other. And uh I sort of look at it, you know, as if, uh, you know, I, I haven't gone so far as to put like a point value on these things. Right. But like, I think, you know, if you're thinking about it sort of in a, a cup full versus a cup empty kind of thing. Right. I sort of see video chat as like, you know, maybe a three quarter cup full. Sure. And, yeah, yeah. you know, email might be a half a cup or, uh, you know, maybe a, an instant message or a quick tweet or something or a Slack is, you know, an eighth of a cup or whatever. Right, right. You, know, you need so many of these things to have a full cup where maybe yeah. the full yeah. cup thing is meeting you in, in person for coffee. Right. And so right. you can have lots of three quarter full cups and live a pretty happy life. So we could sit and have video call, video call, video call. But then, you know, in our case, maybe there's a podcaster convention and we get to meet right. each other for in person at some podcasting event. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, right. I mean, that cup full will carry us a long way, right? Like, right. okay, that's right. you know, I've met Kyle now. We're golden. We're feeling real good about our relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have a quarterly video chat or a monthly video chat and we'll feel great right. about it. Like, it'll be good. Yeah. And then, you know what? In six months, I'll see him at the next conference. And that's right. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of, I think, a way to look at this stuff. I think all of it contributes to one pot. You know, everything yeah. goes to one one thing. But I think that different things carry this different value. Mm-hmm. And so I had a, a guy that I interviewed a couple of, a couple nights ago. Actually, he runs a, a large uh, consortium of co working and uh, flexible working facilities. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that you know, in their case, their entire executive board are fully detached. Everybody's in different places from Mexico yeah. to Tennessee to Idaho to California. Yeah. And they're all, all over the place. And their big thing was from a people pers- first perspective, they didn't want to make families have to uproot and move. They wanted people to be able to live where they wanted to live so they can enjoy what they enjoy. If they're an outdoor right. person or a city person or a you know South American person, whatever it is they want to enjoy, you know, they should be allowed to enjoy it. Work shouldn't get in the way. Yeah. So for them, it was really important to keep this you know remote team but just like we're talking about now with this idea of leveraging technology, they do a morning, you know, a daily standup where they mm-hmm. get on Zoom or whatever their platform is. Mm-hmm. And they have some, you know, little 15 minute conversation about what's going on, you know, in their parts of the world and what's going on that day. Right. And then once a month, they fly into Newport Beach where they're headquartered and mm-hmm. everybody gets together and they see each other. And they actually told me that most of the time when they get together socially, like in real life, they just go to dinner and they spend time together and they do right. all the human stuff. Right. 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 And then they, they, in their cases, they reserve this video chatting and things like that for yeah. business. Sure. Because when they're sure. together, they don't want to talk about work. They want to get to know each other. They want yeah. to know the wives. They spend want to see the, the kids. Yeah. They want to do all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I think it's really good. Like, I mean, I try to be intentional about not sort of demonizing technology because I think mm-hmm. it is important. And I think it's definitely made the life of the remote worker or even the, the co-located worker, mm-hmm. you know, better in a lot of ways. I mean, it's right. streamlining communication. It's making it more easy than ever to, to connect with people over long distance. Like for example, our conversation now. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, an invaluable tool, but I sure. think you have to kind of look at it as just, you know, an arrow in the quiver. 
Like, you know, this is great, but there's still something better. You know, you have this real life experience that that might be more valuable, but this stuff is, is just a part of that equation. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, that I, I, you know, as you talk about quantifying some of these things, something that I would encourage people to think about is the, uh, the value of loyalty. And that is oftentimes where, you know, as you talk about, um, you know, spending that extra money. Cause I know what's going through some people's heads right now is, well, gosh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to spend that kind of money to fly everybody in or spend that kind of money to, um, you know, fly out and visit these, this remote workforce that I have or fly, you know, over to Europe to visit these people. But the reality is where you can quantify that is the loyalty that you build through that. So, you know, the relationship that you're building isn't just simply about building a relationship. It's, it's building trust. It's building loyalty. It's, it's developing these deeper roots of your relationship. So if you look at it from a loyalty perspective and you think, well, now I'm not going to have the turnover. I'm not going to have the training. I'm not going to have some of these other things that I might, if I just simply business, 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 and we never really get that depth of relationship, there is a very tangible, quantifiable number that can go along with that um, because you've spent the extra time, resources, money to build this depth of relationship, which sometimes includes investing in, um, you know, the plane tickets, investing in the time to just, hey, we're just going to get together as people. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to spend time together and get to know each other. So, you know, there absolutely are some ways to quantify that and kind of business by business. But that's one of the things in particular I really want people to think about in this because, it is through relationship that you develop that sense of loyalty to you as the leader and to your organization because they belong. People feel like they belong and they know that they're part of this team and not just simply someone that's expected to do a certain task load. Yep. Well, and I think that that is, you know, really critical. I mean, it's one of these things, right? I mean, they say that you're investing in people, right? I mean, we're investing. And the reason is, I mean, the reality is that relationships are work, you know, whether it's a work relationship or whether it's a familial one or you're, you know, you're dating somebody or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know, the relationship is work, right? I mean, you know, guys aren't buying women flowers just for the sake of it. They're buying flowers because they think they can move a relationship along or they can build a stronger bond or whatever it is, you know? And so it's not, too different in business, right? I mean, and it's not about the glitz and glamour of hotels and airfare and stuff like that. But what it is, is, you know, loyalty is certainly an aspect or or maybe a byproduct of this. Mm -hmm. But like, how better do you tell your employee that they're worth something to you or that they are valuable to you than if you're willing to displace yourself, you know, you're willing to fly out or bring them out, whatever. You're willing to put yourself at an inconvenience for that person. Right. You know, and especially now in a, in a market, you know, the, like today where, you know, so many people job hop every year or two and, you know, there's a lot of movement in the market. People aren't staying at the, you know, they're not staying in the mines for 40 years anymore. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, jumping and jumping and jumping, you know, loyalty is, is something that's hard earned now. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's really important, but the way you develop that is through a solid relationship and and solid relationships are built on this work. So, and, you know, and I think just the other aspect to tie it back to business or to make it maybe a little more practical for people who are having their doubts or whatever, you know, there's a lot of studies out there and, you know, of course, everything you can take with a grain of salt or whatever, but, you know, there are a lot of studies that say your remote work staff is generally more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're able to accomplish a lot more in a lot fewer hours for a lot of the reasons we've pointed out, you know, they're, they're not meeting somebody at the water cooler and, and talking for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. They're working, 
they're just trying to get their work done so they can right. get out of, you know, get out of the house. Yeah. And so, um, so there's a lot of, you know, productivity aspects where maybe they're actually generating more money in less time. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, even tangible physical things like uh, office space. Maybe you right. only have to acquire or pay rent on half as much office space because sure. you have half of your team remote. Right. You know, so then when it comes time to buy for a couple plane tickets, you know, maybe it's not a one-to-one relationship, right. but it's a, a heck of a lot easier if I haven't paid for your office all year. Mm-hmm. to sit you on a Delta flight and, you know, have you come out and see me in Newport. That's true. You know, like That's, it's a little yeah. easier. And so I think it's a longer term vision. You know, it's having this understanding. It's having trust in people and faith mm-hmm. in them that they're actually doing what they say they'll do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's two way street, right? I mean, you as the employer need to, you know, be honest and forthright with them and make sure that expectations are understood. Mm-hmm. And then you as coworker, or you as remote worker need to, make sure you're living up to those expectations. You know, you agreed to those, those rules or those guidelines and, you know, everything should be, you know, in a great corporate culture, everything should be up for discussion and things like that. If, and if it can be improved, great, but minimally, you know, it's, if you're not doing your part of the relationship as either the worker or the employer, there's no way for it to work. You know, it's that old, uh, it takes two to tango thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Ryan, this is great. I really appreciate it. And, um, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of value in people understanding the benefits and kind of the reasons uh, for us to become more people centric in our business, and especially this market that we're in currently. Um, you know, more people are looking for kind of a purpose and they're looking for community in their workplace, and so the more we can build these relationships the more it gives people that. And, um, and so I appreciate you taking the charge and, and really trying to uh, help other companies understand the value and the benefits of these things. Well, and, um, you know, and I will say too, just on a related point real quickly, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the work that you do when you do this kind of work and you put people first is so much more rewarding than the alternative anyway, that eventually it doesn't feel like work anyway. You feel better about going to the office. You feel better about the time you're spending with people. You know, I mean, the, the good, you know, far outweighs the bad and and being authentic and putting in that work for people, you know, pays back tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, So before we, before we head out of here, tell us how can we learn more about you and the things that we're doing and, and learn more about your company? Sure. Yeah. My uh, company, R2 Media Group, is just located at r2mg.com. It's uh, marketing and design services. We also do uh, brand and marketing consulting, things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, You can find out more about me specifically at ryanrogar.com. That's Mm R-Y-A-N-R-O-G-H-A-A-R.com. And uh, and then my remote work advocacy lives at a a website called Teammate Apart, and that's just teammateapart.com. Okay. And, uh, and I did also want to say, if it's all right, we've got um, a little promotion going on right now for, for listeners of this show. Uh, if they want to, they can go to ryanrogar.com slash consult and get a free five-point brand relationship analysis. Hmm. Basically, we'll take a little work, at, you know, a little look at their website, maybe their product, their service, whatever it is, and we'll try and run it through this filter yeah. and uh, give, them, give them a few actionable steps they can take to build uh, better relationships in their organization. Very good. Very good. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. I appreciate that. We will uh, be sure to make sure we've got all those links in our show notes and appreciate you taking the time and continue the journey of trying to help people understand the benefit and the value of becoming more people-centric in their business and in their life. We'll do it. Thanks so much, Kyle. I'm glad to have been here. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit EmployerBlueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit KyleGorman.com. 
And until next time, make it a great day. Today's episode was produced by Just You Marketing for all of your podcast needs. Just You Marketing has you covered. Be sure to hit the subscribe button before you leave today and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you and you could reach us at podcast at employerblueprint.com.